the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Friday, June 9th, 2023. I am Seth Liebson. 602 is the number. 602-5089-60. When the Washington Post, the New York Times, and the Wall Street Journal in 2005 and 2006 received leaked classified wartime intelligence about allies of ours who were holding high-value terrorist detainees like Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, and when they received leaked classified wartime intelligence about one of our most successful anti-terrorism financing programs, they raced one another to see who could print and disclose all that information first and with the most detail, keeping their leakers, their sources, confidential the whole time. And they published series of stories, and all of them over heavy objections from the Bush administration, who told them it would do grave harm to publish the information, which it did. Nevertheless, they published. They harmed our anti-terrorism efforts. They put allies in harm's way. They blew programs, and they received Pulitzer Prizes for doing all this. The leaker or leakers violated the Espionage Act, not to mention their non-disclosure agreements. The Washington Post, the New York Times, and the Wall Street Journal violated the Espionage Act by publishing all this information and also committed the act of concealing a crime as well as the crime of knowing, knowingly possession of stolen goods. Never mind harming a war effort, never mind harming allies, never mind turning over information to terrorists. Nobody was prosecuted, not one person. As I say, awards were given out for all this. After all, it was a Republican administration that was taking these hits, billed and reported as embarrassments. What we have here over the last 24 hours is a former president who, as president, had the full legal, never mind constitutional right to possess all classified information and even declassify it, now in possession of such material behind security and secret service guard with no allegation that any of it was ever destroyed or published, he is being indicted on over 30 counts for possessing such by the sitting president's Department of Justice. By the way, those 37 counts could have been just one. This was done for maximum emotional and political shock. This indictment comes as the former president is in the midst of an election, running in an election, to unseat the current president. That's the story, as clearly as it can be stated. One has to plumb the depths of a thesaurus unknown to the usual spelunking to come up with the adjectives appropriate here. Were this Cuba or Venezuela? or Nicaragua, or Honduras, not an eyebrow would be raised. 
It might not even make the newspapers, for that is the coin of the realm, the ho-hum everyday practice in countries like that, once known as banana republics. To have the world's oldest, most powerful, and most important republic mimic the political, legal, contretemps, and shenanigans of the likes of Honduras is an insult to bananas. In fact, I shouldn't say we are mimicking Honduras. I should say we are aping Honduras, just to extend the metaphor. Donald Trump, you will recall, was supposed to be the breaker of norms, while Joe Biden was to return us to normalcy. This, as Joe Biden had classified information in four locations, none under the security that obtained at Mar-a-Lago. Each discovery of those four locations was preceded by a statement saying during the third and second and first discovery that each time that was all there was. There was no more, only for more to be found. This, as Joe Biden was found to have taken documents from a legally protected, sensitive, compartmented information facility known as a SCIFT, where you may not take documents from, either as a vice president or a senator, which he was when he took those documents. This is Joe Biden's Department of Justice returning us to normalcy, after all, having indicted a political opponent in the midst of a campaign and an election. Joe Biden may not have been lying when he told us he would restore norms and normalcy. He just didn't tell us it was a restoration of the norms and normalcy of Honduras. Election interference, let's talk about that phrase for a moment. Suppressing the vote, let's talk about that phrase for a moment. Donald Trump, under federal criminal indictment and running for president, will be asked about this. He may even want to talk about it. His lawyers will tell him he should not and cannot. After all, anything he says could be incriminating. The judge may impose a gag order on Donald Trump, preventing him from talking about it on the campaign trail. If a journalist asks in the debates or anywhere else, that is interference and suppression. And that interference and suppression is the bitter fruit of the poisonous tree that was planted watered and pruned by Joe Biden's Department of Justice. The Office of Special Counsel, Jack Smith, under Joe Biden's Department of Justice, did not have to do this. A special counsel or prosecutor can look for a way to indict or look for a way not to indict. This has always been true, and if you need proof, see Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and tens of thousands of destroyed emails on an unauthorized and unsecured server of documents that were under subpoena. This Department of Justice's special counsel, let us be clear, was looking for a way to indict and to turn a civil violation, which is what the Presidential Records Act is, into a long series of criminal violations and charges. This Department of Justice, Joe Biden's Department of Justice, let us be clear, was looking for a way to indict, to criminalize a political opponent, Joe Biden's leading political opponent. This should all come under a category of undue process, the title of Elliot Abrams' book when he was prosecuted for the crime of committing foreign policy, which was the crime of committing politics. He warned in that book, of the new political warfare where political differences have been turned into crimes. That is to say, political differences have been criminalized. Think on that for a moment. I was saying just yesterday we now live in a world where rightward thinking politically is not 
relative and is not legitimate and thus not subject to the norms of law and decency. Conservative thought, as it is now called, is dangerous or extreme. It can even be fascist, and so it must be banned or marginalized and now criminalized. Republican or conservative positions and elected leaders aren't just wrong ab initio. As I was saying yesterday, they are intolerable and beyond the pale, untermenschen, below human. If you doubt the current, of the current culture of thought, political or otherwise, you aren't mistaken or debatable. You don't have a right to debate, not in a classroom, not on a campus, not in an election. You are not debatable. You are contemptible. As I was saying yesterday, most recently, thus, a conservative judge at Stanford has no right to speak at Stanford. Thus, Riley Gaines has no right to speak at San Francisco State University. She will be subject to assault and battery, and that will be justified. Thus, the Republican Party is the party of fascism and fear, as the head of the DNC routinely puts it. And thus, the former president, who has done less than what Hillary Clinton has done, and the same or possibly less than what the current president has done, and what almost every president has done a version of, this one particular former president is indicted, criminalized. He is not the legitimate leader of the legitimate opposition. He is the illegitimate leader of an illegitimate opposition, an illegitimate citizen, because he is simply on the wrong side. We sometimes call this regime hierarchy here. I sometimes call it opinion principle hierarchy. Let me explain, but if you want the quick cut to the chase, it's that we conservatives and we Republicans simply shall not exist. We are not to be considered part of a legitimate political movement, organizing, speech, campaigning, electioneering, or governing. Quad licit lovi, non licit bovi is the Latin version William Buckley used to describe this phenomenon with. What is permitted to the gods is not permitted to the cows or swine. They are the gods. We are the swine. What the left and Democrats say and do, conservatives and Republicans may not. We may not, and we would not. Sick, a sick lawyer on a Supreme Court nominee and invent rape charges against him to scuttle his reputation and nomination. The left and Democrats, no problemo. We may not and would not take a rape allegation against a nominee to the Supreme Court and sit on it, hide it, conceal it, only to then publicize and launch it months later at the most convenient political moment to scuttle the nomination. The left and the Democrats, no problemo. We would not attempt to impeach Nancy Pelosi for declaring our presidential election was hijacked and that Donald Trump was an illegitimate president, as she tweeted and stated in 2017 and since. If Donald Trump says something similar about an election he loses, he will be subject not only to impeachment but charged with inciting a riot. This is to say nothing of Hillary Clinton or Jimmy Carter or numerous congressmen and reporter op-ed journalists saying the same thing. It is disrespectful and racist for Republicans not to unanimously vote to confirm or at least celebrate the nomination of Ketanji Brown-Jackson, as it was disrespectful and conspiracy theorist inspired to raise questions of and to her about some of her pre previous judicial rulings that would raise eyebrows in any normal world. But it is fine and dandy for Ted Kennedy to say of one of the most respected legal scholars and judges in American history, Robert Bork, when he was nominated to the Supreme Court, that, quote, Robert Bork's America 
is an America of back alley abortions and segregated lunch counters, close quote. Amy Coney Barrett gets nominated to the Supreme Court, and Professor Ibram X. Kendi can write about her and her adopted Haitian children the following, quote, Some white colonizers adopt black children to civilize these savage children in their superior ways of white people while using them as props in their lifelong pictures of denial while cutting the biological parents of these children out of the picture of humanity, close quote. That professor, Kendi, gets books published galore, including children's books, a speaker's bureau, and several Netflix contracts to advise and portray his point of view. The president of Branding for Levi Strauss tries to get the company to support opening schools for all children after the research shows children are not at risk and not substantial spreaders of COVID and is condemned as a racist and forced to resign. Donald Trump is banned and censored from Twitter. Professor Kendi, quoted above, Louis Farrakhan, the mullahs of Iran, are not. Both referred to America as Satan. Riots over three months that lead to billions of dollars of damage, firebombings of courthouses, takeovers of police precincts, the loss of 30 lives and over 14,000 arrests are mostly peaceful and will get U.S. senators, candidates for vice president, seeking donations to bail them out. An anarchist mob of several hundred caused no loss of life but one of their own shot in the back that lasts for seven hours, and they are tied to the entirety of the Republican Party as anti-democratic insurrectionists. We can play this game for hours. Joel Pollack put it that Trump was impeached the first time because, we were told, he tried to have his leading opponent investigated. Take a moment and rethink on that. It was about the phone call to Ukraine. Trump was impeached the first time because we were told he tried to have his leading opponent investigated. Now Biden and Merrick Garland are doing exactly that. And while Trump's suspicions of Biden's corruption were well-founded and have serious national security implications, Trump is being accused of misplacing documents. Indicting him for this will open a Pandora's box and unleash passions that will not easily be controlled. I don't know the way out. But the next time a Democrat says, just what kind of democracy do you think your party respects when they don't like our policies, not our practices, but our policies? I think the right response is something like, we respect the democracy and Republican form of government given to us by Thomas Jefferson and James Madison, not the kind your party and movement has adopted from Honduras. It wasn't our team that used the FBI and CIA to suppress a major scandal the month before a presidential election about one of the candidates the FBI and CIA preferred. It wasn't our team that invented and paid for a four-year narrative of Russian collusion. And it wasn't any of those who did any of that who got indicted. The victim got indicted. Quad licit lovi, non licit bovi. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Boy, whenever I hear her voice, Grace Slick, I just, it's amazing to me. This woman is 83. I mean, not when she's singing there, obviously, but uh, just hard to imagine some of these people um, 
in their 80s now. Uh, 602-508-0960, open lines Friday. Uh, a lot is being made of different aspects, uh, specifically the salacious, or especially the most salacious ones that can be made salacious from the indictment and the pictures and the, uh, and the uh, allegations in the indictment. Um, the one that I, I, I keep seeing liberals harping on is he kept the documents in a bathroom in a bathroom or he kept them in a bedroom and you know we don't know you don't know anything about that bathroom and you don't know anything about that bedroom and we'll learn about it and the notion here that he had them moved or moved them around um, shouldn't really be that surprising but if it's the bathroom that bothers you May I read a story from the New York Post in August 18th of 2015, headlined, Hillary's email server was run out of an old bathroom closet. Hillary Clinton's email servers were maintained by a mom-and-pop outfit, not, by the way, secured by Secret Service, run out of an old bathroom closet in a downtown Denver loft. While Platte River Networks has ties to Colorado, then-Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper, it wasn't immediately clear how the company got hooked up with the former Secretary of State and Democratic presidential frontrunner. The company's work with Clinton was a secret to many of its employees who were amazed when they learned of it. Quote, at the time I worked for them, they wouldn't have been equipped to work for Hillary Clinton because I don't think they had the resources. They were based out of a loft, so it was not secure. We didn't even have an alarm, close quote, Tara Dadiotis, a former customer relations consultant, told the website. A consultant who worked for the company told the website, quote, I don't know how they run their operations now, but we literally had our servers in racks in the bathroom, close quote. What Dadiotis called the Platte River Networks, well, Dadiotis called Platte River Networks a great place to work. She also described it as a mom and pop shop. Quote, I don't see how that would be secure enough for a Secretary Clinton, close quote, she said. Clinton's use of private email for official State Department business between 2009 and 2013 has continued to dog her. Again, this is a story from 2015. Platte River Networks, founded in 2002, worked out of a 1,858-square-foot loft apartment in downtown Denver. Bathrooms, indeed. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. We usually have him on Wednesdays as we did this past Wednesday, but uh, the news uh, gave us the occasion to break the glass and pull the lever and call on our constitutional attorney and expert, Brett Johnson. He a partner at Snell & Wilmer, based here locally, offices around the country, SW Law dot com is their website brett thanks for being available to us again this week much appreciated oh no problem seth uh, but all, all i have to say is wow yeah, <laughs> yeah. wow yeah uh you and i both uh read a lot today um i'm sure <laughs> i guess that is what i would ask you before we get into the indictment itself and some of the issues surrounding it um first reaction when you heard that an indictment was going forward against a former president of the United States. To, to say it was unprecedented is only the beginning of the discussion, really, isn't it? 
Oh yeah, no, no. I mean, it's it's, it's unbelievable Un, um, that this has happened. Uh, quite honestly, at this period of time, right. I mean, what That's... what we what we would have expected if it was a normal um, uh, type of investigation. You know, the special prosecutor was only appointed uh, in a relatively short period of time. Many people might not remember know this, but he was actually injured in uh, in a biking accident in Europe, and so was out there for several months before he could actually come and take his duties. And, and as a way of context, you know, there was the Hillary Clinton um, investigation into her server. Right. There was a David Petraeus uh, investigation. Yeah. And all of those investigations took a significantly long period of time. Yeah. And yet, you know, the, the, um, the, the raid on, on, uh, the, in Florida on the, on the club only happened several months ago, and we all already have an indictment. Yeah. So don't get me wrong. The government has been preparing for this for, for a while. Sure. But it was just interesting that that it, it came this quickly. Yeah, it really is. It was also interesting how many darn counts uh, were, oh, yeah. were were put there. I thought the special process. You know, one of the things I said. I mean, it's it's to read it is 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 to read a very damning document. I mean, you read it, and even people yeah. I talked to who were ardent. And our ardent Trump supporters were calling me today and said, well, I, you know, maybe he is guilty. Uh, and, and one of the things I've, I, I've said, and, you know, we, we, we can't possibly know yet. This is the very first phase. But it is true that as someone who's been a little bit involved in other litigation, sometimes with myself, sometimes on behalf of people in years past, you do read one side and you go, holy cow, and you don't say holy cow. Um, it's, oh, yeah. it, it's the first salvo and you, and, and, and the temptation is to think, well, they got me or I've got no case, depending on whether you're plaintiff defendant or plaintiff in defense. Right. I mean, yeah, it is important to note that too. It's not, it's not only important to note that. And that's just, that's just, you know, law 101. You read the complaint for the first time and you're like, wow, I'm going to jail. Yeah, that's like, right. Wow. Right. It's just divorce proceedings. <laughs> yeah. Come on. But you know, it's, it's, it, you just feel like it's, it's damning right off the bat. But in in this context and at this level, you, you, people have to fully appreciate, and, and I'll, I'll actually go back to the January 6th commission yep. and how those were produced and orchestrated, yep. right? They were very prime time. The amount of eyes that went into this yep. and the language that was used was very specific mm-hmm. and, and crafted in such a way to be basically tell this story. Mm-hmm. But this story, you know, is is only within these pages itself. Right. Now, don't get me wrong, it's a long, long document, yeah. uh, almost 43 pages, a little over 43 yeah. pages. But the reality is, is that the language is, is, is particularly picked. And so you have to first, you know, obviously read it. I do encourage people to read it, yeah. always read the, the source document. Yeah. But then take it into context and understand all of the evidence and information that would lead into this, and including, as I've mentioned before, about the grand jury um, um, uh, proceedings. Now, we, we talked previously on the show about the about the New York grand jury right. subpoena, or, or, uh, per, subpoena right. proceedings, right. and in that in that context, what I had said, and I'll reiterate it now. You know, the prosecute or the defense counsel, Trump's counsel, are going to get all of the transcripts from the grand jury proceedings. Remember and that, what yes. Was actually, yes. told yes. to the grand jury, yes. And they may say, "Hey, listen, there was information that was withheld, and that the grand jury would have heard X, Y, and Z." Yeah. They may have come to a different conclusion, such as maybe somebody had given advice to President Trump from a legal standpoint 
as to what his capabilities were, which are sometimes complex. Yeah. I was in the government, yeah. for goodness sake. Yeah. You know, I, I had to sit down with an ethics lawyer about what I could and could not do when yeah. I left the Navy. Yeah. So it, 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 is, it is a pretty complex scenario, and you have to, once we get through today, and, and this is going to be, uh, uh, anybody who thinks this is going to be a short term, I, I know that special the special prosecutor was on the news recently and yeah. saying the speedy trial and was going to look for a speedy trial. Uh, that's it's going to be a tough one for that. Brett, this was a short segment. Thank you. Can I keep you sure. a second segment, longer segment, and, and walk through yeah, some of some of the concerns here and some of the language that was used by the uh, special prosecutor's office? Happy to do so. Brett, thank you. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Honored to have Brett Johnson with us, a partner with Snell & Wilmer Law Firm. SWLaw.com is their website. He usually joins us on Wednesdays, and uh, given the news, wanted to get um, get his interpretations and uh, thoughts uh, again today, and he's been generous uh, to give us his time to do so. Brett, as you read through this indictment today, did anything particularly stand out from the, I want to ask you first about from the way the prosecution wrote it, and then I want to ask you a little bit about the allegations themselves. But did any anything strike you as as eyebrow raising or a little uh, different than you you would normally see in an indictment, or did it look like it was a fairly by the book standard practice indictment? No, no. I mean, even the, even the structure it was it was different, right? Okay. It was written more. Um, as a, uh, a story, you know, and then obviously got into the counts at the end. And don't get me wrong, you, you, you sometimes have it, but the way it was structured. The, mo- the most notable thing um, that, that I noticed was the reliance on testimony to the grand jury yeah. from Trump's attorneys. And, and people might not know this, but some of Trump's attorneys, personal attorneys, were required to testify before the grand jury and testify and provide documentation um, to to support their testimony and, or, and the questions that were being asked by the special prosecutor, so that that's one thing. But then when that's turned around and actually used as as evidence within the complaint itself, that was a little bit eyebrow uh, eyebrow raising, because what you would normally do is you would if, if the judge is going to allow an attorney to break the attorney client privilege, which is like one of the most sacrosanct uh, privileges that we have in this country, and there's there's so much underpinnings about it. Um, usually that's to go find out other I- evidence that would be out there that you would then use. But, but in here, there were clear statements that the attorneys gave that then were relied upon. And now, now that's a crux for the special prosecutor in this case, because, um, some of the, let's say the obstruction of justice, um, claims that are being, being presented, it was, a, it was clearly a, if, if true, obviously, a client who was asking their attorney for guidance. Mm-hmm. Hey, if I do this, right. can I do it? Right. That that's not that's not obstruction of justice. Right. That's that's how our system works. And you want just like going to see a counselor or going to see a priest, you want that person to be able to ask their attorney for advice and guidance so that they're not breaking the law. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So that I think that's very important that uh, that that at least several of the claims were based off of allegedly originally attorney-client privileged information that a judge allowed to be breached. So that's going to be that's going to be one of the first motions that right off the bat. Um, the the oh, go ahead. On the no, no, you go ahead. You're fine. Yeah, 
Yeah, no. So, so then, then you get into some of the acts of other people. Again, attorneys. There's mm-hmm. a lot. As as President Trump has, he has a lot of attorneys. Yeah. He's had a lot of attorneys over <laughs> yes. over, over his yes. career. Yes. You know, I think I saw one thing where he's been involved, or his organization's been involved, like 3,500. Um, you know, lawsuits over over his business tenure, which is you know a tactic. And so, you know, the special prosecutor is going up against somebody who really knows the judicial system. Yeah. But even such as the certifications and other assertions that were made by the lawyers to the government, and that were then portrayed to to uh, President Trump, I think that that's also going to be difficult hurdles because lawyers, um, you know, the, the sins of a lawyer are not really passed on to their clients. Right. And and that's the whole reason to have lawyers interacting with the government. So I think that that's also going to be an interesting, the roles of the lawyer and and how the privilege is going to work out is just going to be a a, a crux of this case going forward. Again, to state what I said earlier, a prosecutor can, you know, shape the narrative and include in his indictment whatever he or she wants. But I have to tell you, uh, in looking at some of the what you might call texts or trans uh, texts and transcripts of conversations, there are some ellipses in there. I ha- that and 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 they don't show to me full context. It seems to me that would be eyebrow raising too, a little it, bit, it, or at least something. For, obviously, Trump's attorneys will seize on at least. Sure, absolutely, and, and not for a complaint, right? Okay. So your your complaint is supposed to be short and succinct. Yeah. Um, for for a criminal complaint with thirty eight counts, this is pretty short. Okay, I'll be honest. Okay, okay. Um, so, so you have that, but there is a, there's a rule. It's called the rule of completeness. Right. That you know they're not they're not going to be able to just cherry pick the evidence and cherry pick the transcripts and the recordings because everything is within context. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're a parent and you have kids, you know that there's a rule of completeness yes. because those kids are very very good about yes. plucking out the yes, yes and not fully the context around it. Yes, and the same thing is here too. So once all of those recordings are turned over um, and you actually see the documents. Then, um, then it's going to be a full, more uh, fulsome document, and more. With, again, the rule of completeness will come into a play, and the government's not going to be able to cherry pick that going forward. Now, yeah, go ahead. Is, yeah, you know, go ahead. Yeah, please. Yeah, no. So the question is, is that when you're faced with something like this, and you you, you do have precedent on other high profile um, um, individuals, so you brought up the Hillary Clinton yeah, example right, earlier. Right. Is, is that is there are there constitutional challenges that you want to make up front of hey people of this high level cabinet level to president mm-hmm. are is, is there an unequal treatment because right. it, it, technically Hillary Clinton on her servers the information we have is is that it was very similar mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so that, and she was not prosecuted mm-hmm. but then you have General Petraeus mm-hmm. um, who was also dealing with classified information and with his girlfriend mm-hmm. transferring information back and forth, mm-hmm. he was prosecuted, settled out pretty quickly for a misdemeanor. Mm-hmm. Scooter Libby also, if you might remember, mm-hmm. uh, relayed the information about a name of a CIA agent. Yep. One act, right? Yep. Here we have 38. That was the Valerie Plain case. Yes, right. Valerie exactly. Plain right. case. And, and again, they didn't get him on that claim. It was on the obstruction right. of justice claim. Right. So you have to look at this, at all of the charges, kind of intertwined, although you can, you know, each charge is supposed to sit, uh, stand on its own to kind of understand where the special prosecutor is going here. Last question, if I, maybe second to last or last question. Um, the Espionage Act, the use of the Espionage Act, I know it fairly well from previous work. Um, that one shocked me. That one shocked me. But am I right to be shocked or wrong to be shocked? Maybe it's all they have. 
I think it's all they have okay. on, on that context. Okay. And, and it's, it does support um, some of the other ancillary right. charges. Right. And that's what, what I was just mentioning is that if you do knock out one charge, some yep. of the other ones are going to fall. Okay. Were there any of the uses of 18 USC, what I think they, they, they implicated about eight or nine of them, any of them that, that, that eyebrow raised for you, or did it look like this is how you stack a civil law into, criminal, uh, into, into yeah. a criminal indictment? Yeah, I mean, I, the, I exactly say that yeah. because the Presidential Records Act was deliberately a civil law, right? No, un- understood. Yeah, um, and that's that's exactly exactly right. And and the it, it they did it correctly, okay. right? For, so from a procedural standpoint, um, it, it, from at least my initial reading of it, it's it's looking like they they dotted their eyes and crossed their t's. And as I mentioned before, the amount of eyes that were probably yeah. on this before yeah. it got filed was yeah. was immense. All right, Brett, stay close, and uh, we may talk to you next Wednesday or earlier if you're around. We'd love to have your brain always on these things. You're wonderful. Happy to do so. So Have a good weekend, Seth. You too, Brett Johnson. Love to the family as well. I'm Seth Liebson, and we'll be right back. Bank failures, stock market volatility, possible recession, inflation, where does an investor go? Well, why refi has an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve, a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi. They are based here locally, and I encourage you, as they encourage you, to stop by their offices on Scottsdale Road and the 101. I've been there, and I can tell you, you won't get a sales pitch. No one's going to ask you to sign a thing. When you meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I like and trust them so much, and you can too. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm where you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, letter Y, then refy.com, or get them a call at 888-YREFI-34, 888-YREFI-34. Susie's in Scottsdale. Thank you for your patience, Susie. Oh, hi, Seth. That was brilliant. I can't tell you how wonderful that was. Um, Thank you. Everybody listening to this show needs to go on the website after the show is done and copy the link and send it out to everybody they know. You're because we have to take this on the road. It is incredible. I couldn't believe how you had it all so organized. Thank <laughs> you so much. <laughs> it was yeah. so easy to follow. Well, you're too kind. I was, you know, what's funny, I don't know. Um, I remember when I was in college, uh, my my first year of college, freshman year, intro to poli-sci, we had... Uh, uh, a semester, so whatever that was, um, four months, five months. Uh, our first semester intro to poli sci. Our assignment was we had a, we had to do a five page paper as our final, and it was going to count for something like I don't know forty, fifty, sixty percent of our grade. And we were all panicked about you know a five page paper. You know, <laughs> I'm thinking anyway. I you know if I only knew then what I know now, I would have had a better GPA. <laughs> but thank you, Susie. I appreciate it very well, much. Well, thank you, and God bless you. <laughs> well, thank you, and God bless you too. That's just a very kind call. Thank you. It is Open Line Fridays. It's six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. There's a lot in the news, obviously, and a lot to cover and a lot to discuss. 
and we're here for you to do that. And right after this top of the hour news break, uh, we do have open lines. We're happy to speak with you. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.